0: CII Item 287, November 3rd, 2013. JD Powers jumps the shark.
1: Welcome to Today an iPhone.
2: Yeah, I like it a lot. Today, the iPhone. Hey, Carla! Oh, yeah! My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by SquareTrade. Go to squaretrade.com slash TII2 to get your iPad warranty for just $89. Or go to squaretrade.com slash TII for your $94 iPhone warranty. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeffrey for sending in the music here in the background. Jeffrey wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song on my iPhone 4S using GarageBand connected to Audiobus and Sample Tank." Listeners of TII can follow me at @JeffJ6. On twitter for free music i write and create on my ios device on a weekly basis regards jeffrey j thanks jeffrey for the music and folks i'll put the full song at the end of the episode also want to thank paul for sending in the artwork for today's show he wrote hi rob i made this artwork using pages for ios in order to create the text and photoshop for ios to piece everything together it was of course inspired by the new ios 7 game center and also uses the ios 7 font Helvetica, new, that's N-E-U-E, ultralight. Regards, Paul S. Paul, thanks again for sending in this artwork, and you can see Paul's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 287, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today in iOS, and also up on my LinkedIn page now as well. If you have some artwork and or music, you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? We have the following quote, quote, if the market spits up Apple and Android devices for their inability to meet business users needs, Blackberry stands alone or will on January 30th, 2013, and the days that follow the BlackBerry 10 launch. As the company is ready to embrace business users, this is an unprecedented opportunity. As a result, 2013 could be an amazing year for BlackBerry. Unquote. Rob Enderley, CIO, 31st December, 2012. Or 2013 could be a disastrous year for BlackBerry and Rob Enderly could end up looking just a tad bit less ridiculous than the CEO of BlackBerry, but only a tad bit. Just saying. For promo codes, on episode 286 we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app's ghost tours for six different cities, five of which went in the first two hours of posting the episode. But Gettysburg took a day to be claimed. This week we have promo codes for a couple of apps. The first app we have promo codes for is the app Reup. is the review from the dev.
3: Hi Rob, my name is Anthony and I'm the developer of REUP Smart Inventory Management. REUP is the best way for small business owners of all types to keep track of items in inventory and get a visual representation of valuable purchase and sales data. REUP works like this, when you first open the app you enter in your inventory items that you want to keep track of, you enter in your name of the item and the type of units. After that the item shows in the main screen of the app. Touch the item there and it will show you all your recent transactions, click the plus button. And in the top right to enter purchases or sales from there you just enter in your number of units that you're purchasing or selling your vendor or customer and the total price of the transaction and hit done Reup will calculate and show your purchase or sales price per unit Reup graphs section shows you valuable information such as profit sales and more in a visual easy to use format it really gives you an idea of what products are really moving and adding value to your bottom line and which ones may be wasting your time
0: Anthony, thanks for the review of your app, Reup, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to today in iOS at gmail.com and put Reup in the subject line that's R E U P. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Snailboy. Here is the
1: review from the dev. My name is Lukman. I'm the lead 3D artist at stupid Yes, you heard right, stupid We're an indie games company based in Cape Town, South Africa, and we've just launched our first game. It's called Snailboy, and it's available on the App Store. The game is a puzzle platform mobile game with rich graphics, killer sounds, and over 40 levels of gameplay. Snailboy is a cheeky garden mollusk, and he's on an epic adventure to find his stolen shell pack. Head out on a courageous journey and master the levels. Fall in love with this one-of-a-kind hero. Snailboy will capture the imagination of people and snails far and wide. Check us out at thupid.com, that's T H O O P I D, or snailboythegame.com. Download Snailboy on the App Store for $1.99. Available for iPhone and iPad.
0: Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Snailboy, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, Send an email to today in ios at gmail.com and put snailboy, one word, in the subject line. Promo codes on this one expire on November 7th, so I'm going to give it out to the first five people that ask for it. So send that email in and first come, first serve on that one. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you're an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please, please, please make sure to let me know when they expire. I mentioned on previous episodes how to improve battery life on your iOS 7 device and that if you have the new iPhone 5S, you should be getting great battery life. Well, it seems a few unlucky iPhone 5S owners may actually have units that have real issues with battery life. And Apple acknowledged that yes, there was a manufacturing issue. Apple said, quote, we recently discovered a manufacturing issue affecting a very limited number of iPhone 5S devices that could cause the battery to take longer to charge or result in reduced battery life. We are reaching out to customers with affected phones and will provide them with a replacement phone, unquote. So if you have a new iPhone 5S and no matter what you do to improve battery life, you can't, there is now one thing you can do that will definitely improve battery life. Take it to your local Apple store and get a new unit. As always, make sure you back up your iPhone to your computer prior to heading off to the Apple store. That is one nice thing about Apple. They are quick to replace a defective unit And quick to get out updates to fix issues as well. iOS 7.0.3 fixed the level not being level. How long would it take for a fix like that to go out to the masses for an Android unit? Okay, granted, that is me trying to make Lemon aid out of Lemons, but still, that's the nice part of iOS. Apple can get out updates to all users very, very quickly, with no delay because of carrier versions of the OS.
1: If money is all that you love, then that's what
0: you'll receive. Something is seriously wrong with the results of J.D. Power's latest tablet survey. Seems they have Samsung's tablet beating the iPad 4th gen in customer satisfaction. Let's go over the numbers a little bit here. Overall satisfaction, iPad and Samsung both get 5 stars. Performance, iPad gets 5 stars, Sammy gets 3 stars. Ease of use, iPad 5 stars, Sammy 3 stars. Physical design, iPad 5 stars, Sammy 4 stars. Tablet features, iPad 5 stars, Sammy 4 stars. Cost, iPad 2 stars, Sammy 4 stars. Something just does not add up. How can Sammy get 3 and 4 stars in each category, but get 5 stars overall? And Apple gets 5 stars in everything but cost, and is behind Sammy how overall? If J.D. Powers wants to put out this report and say that users are more satisfied with their Samsung tablets when the only category they're really satisfied more with their Samsung tablets than the iPad is cost, then they should rename it to Tablet Price Satisfaction Survey. Not Tablet Survey, or not Tablet Satisfaction Survey, but Tablet Price Satisfaction Survey, because that's really all it was. To say that J.D. Powers looks stupid with this report is an understatement. They have totally, totally, totally jumped the shark. If
1: money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive.
0: Okay, that audio clip was for the last segment, not this coming up segment, which is about Apple's quarterly conference call. I said on the last episode, per my predictions, quote, I will pin the number at 34.8 million iPhones sold, with at least 2.5 million being listed as, quote, channel inventory fill or additional channel inventory fill. I will say I think the iPad numbers will be lower than a year ago, which was 14 million. I think Apple will actually report around 13.6 million iPads sold last quarter. Unquote. So how did I do or more importantly how did Apple do on the iPhone side? They sold 33.8 million versus 26.9 million the year before and 31.2 million last quarter. And 14.3 million iPhones are now in channel inventory and that is plus 3.3 million iPhones in channel inventory for the quarter, 1.8 million of that is in transit. So my prediction of 34.8 million iPhones sold with plus 2.5 million in channel inventory, we're not far off. When you take out the 1.8 million in transit, that leaves plus 1.5 million added to channel inventory, which is 1 million off from where I thought they would have been and why I was exactly 1 million high, or at least that is how I would spend it if I was Uncle Gene or one of the other analysts out there that totally blew it. On the iPad side, Apple sold 14.1 million units, which is 0.5 million higher than I expected. Some of the other bits and pieces from the quarterly conference call. Apple had a total revenue for the last quarter of $37.5 billion versus $36 billion last quarter and $35.3 billion in the year-ago quarter. Cash is now at $146.8 billion, up just $0.2 billion for the quarter. The small increase in cash is based on the fact that Apple has been working overtime to give money back to shareholders as dividends and also as buybacks of stock. Apple really did not mention iPods on the call, but in their release info, they showed iPod sales at 3.5 million units for the quarter, down from 4.6 million last quarter and 5.3 million in the year-ago quarter. International sales for Apple were at 60% of all sales. And one point Tim Cook tried to drive home in the Q&A section was that the iPhone 5C is not, repeat, not Apple's low cost entry. Today the iPhone 4S is the low cost entry to the iPhone world. And the 5C was never intended by Apple to be that third world brick nation low cost entry all the analysts want it to be. Overall I think it was a really strong quarter for Apple. But how did Wall Street see it? By end of day on Tuesday, Apple stock was at five hundred and sixteen dollars and sixty eight cents Versus 529.88, which is where it ended Monday prior to the call. So Apple stock changed negative 2.49% for that day. However, it did go up a little bit during the week after that, ending at $520.03 per share. The titles of blogs and newspaper articles ran the full spectrum right after the call, but most were definitely slanted negative, and many saying Apple's profits were disappointing. Now, mind you, Apple came in at the high end of their guidance and above analyst estimates, but it somehow numbers according to a whole lot of articles were disappointing. Of course, those saying profits disappointed are also the same ones yelling for Apple to do a low-cost iPhone. Hmm. So they want Apple to buy market share at all costs, just as long as you know it doesn't hurt profit margin. I really do not get and understand what these people are looking for. Apple reported numbers better than any other tech company by a wide, wide, wide margin. Yet, they somehow disappointed many. By the way, the iPhone, only part of Apple's revenue, was $19.5 billion last quarter. That is more than Google's $14.89 billion last quarter for all of Google. And it is also more than Microsoft's $18.53 billion for the quarter. Yes, in 2013, a year people have been down, way down, on the iPhone and Apple, Q in REM's End of the World as We Know It music. Well, if that was legal in a podcast. Yes, the iPhone product line alone beat out Google in each of the first three quarters in revenue. And Apple's best quarter for revenue will be this quarter by far. Actually, the numbers for 2013 are the following. And please, please, please keep these numbers in mind when you hear from the tech press and Wall Street about Apple's disappointing numbers. In calendar year 2013, Google has a total of $43 billion in revenue. Microsoft has a total of $58.2 billion in revenue. The iPhone line alone has a total of $60.6 billion in revenue. Apple overall has $116.4 billion in revenue, which is exactly 2x that of Microsoft, and over $15 billion more than Microsoft and Google combined. Yes, so keep those numbers in mind when you read about the demise of Apple this week and next week and the rest of 2013. I was just thinking about this. Apple's iPhone revenue last quarter was greater than Motorola Mobility, BlackBerry, and Nokia cell phone and smartphones revenue combined last quarter. And by a pretty big margin at that, if someone had said in January 2007 when Apple introduced the iPhone that Apple would have greater revenue from the iPhone sales than any one of those three, they would have been laughed at. To say that the iPhone would have greater than all three combined would've just been crazy talk. And that it was actually three times those numbers of those three combined is simply unthinkable to at least the Rob of 2007 that started this show, even as a big a fanboy as I was back then, which you can hear by going back and listening to those early episodes sometime. Oh, and a funny R.E.M. End of the World As You Know It story. When my wife was getting ready to give birth to our first child, we were driving to the hospital and we were less than a mile from the hospital and that song came on the radio as we're getting ready to give birth to our first child. So you can't picture a better song coming on right before your child's first birth. Kind of always funny now whenever I hear that song, that's what I think of. Okay, back to the quarterly call and how did the analysts do on their predictions for iPhone sales? Closest to the hole was Bill Shope. At Goldman Sachs, with a guess of 33.73 million units sold versus the reality of 33.8 million. So pretty much dead on. The biggest muff goes to Ben Reitzes at Berkeley Capital with a, what was he thinking, low guess of 29 million iPhones sold. And the biggest hit over the green was Manny Gashalmolo with the Brayburn Group. And he had an overly optimistic guess of 38 million units sold. I figured it would not be too fair to go over the iPad numbers since Apple kind of gave away the basic range and definitely the max range when they said they hit 170 million iPad sales in the month of October, which meant last month and the quarter, they were under 170 million. And that meant the most they could have done was 14.8 million. But on 1023, a day after Apple gave out that info, Alexander Petrick, at Exane BNP Paribas predicted 15.64 million iPads. Hello, McFly. Anyone home? That was a quote professional unquote analyst that you know get paid to cover these things. Yikes. So given that, and that most analysts gave their guesses before 10:22, the closest to the whole was Turley Mueller with Financial Alchemist with a hole-in-one guess of exactly 14.1 million units sold. The biggest muff is a tie between Matt Liu of the Braeburn Group and Manny Gashamolo with the Braeburn Group, with a the low guess of 11.5 million sold. And yes, that is the same Manny that was the furthest off too high for the iPhone. So basically, he is just throwing darts at a dartboard with his eyes closed. Anyway, on the way... To overly optimistic side was speculative fiction writer and part-time professional Apple analyst Peter Messick from Jeffries with a way over the green guess of 18 million units sold. It's funny how the quote pros unquote can be so far off even though most are paid crazy amounts of money to be so inaccurate. Speaking of quarterly conference calls, Sprint had their quarterly call and it's usually nice to check in on these things. The last quarter, Sprint sold 5 million smartphones, of which only 1.4 million were iPhones. That is, 28% of smartphone sales are iPhones on Sprint last quarter. If those numbers sound familiar, it is because they are identical to the previous quarter where Sprint also sold 5 million smartphones and also sold 1.4 million iPhones. I had to go and double check and triple check to make sure I was not reading an old transcript. But nope, they really did duplicate numbers. In all, The iPhone was mentioned three times in the call, all in one shirt burst, but that is three more times than the iPhone was mentioned in the AT&T quarterly call. Oh well, gone are the days when it gets mentioned a dozen plus times on these calls. Sprint did say they were in a constrained inventory position with regards to the 5S and had a waiting list for some models. All right, we'll revisit numbers come January. I do need to slap Apple on the wrist though for their very poor graph in their October 22nd presentation when they showed all-time iPad sales. I thought it looked off, but did not realize how off until David Yanovsky, I hope I got his name right, at Quartz superimposed the real graph over the one Apple showed. Apple kind of made it look a little like a hockey stick, but it really was more linear in real life. When you look at the Apple chart, at some points, it's about as much as 30 million units off from the reality. Yes, their graph is smooth and curvy, but that is not actually how it was in real life. Shame on Apple for putting out that chart, and kudos to David for being overly anal and calling out Apple on it. You're my hero. Well, no matter how big an Apple fanboy I am, I'm still a bigger fanboy of data. One other interesting comment from Tim Cook during the conference call is that in the education market for tablet sales, Apple is at 94% market share for the iPad versus all other tablets in the education market, which makes you wonder who those brainiacs are that wasted their money on that 6% of non-iPad tablets. Okay, this episode took a little bit longer to record and get out than should have been, So I apologize for that some of these pieces of information here in this next one are a little dated hi rob according to this article it won't be necessary to stand in a long line to get the ipad air on friday it will be possible to order online with the ship to store option i hope that's true because i have been making plans to show up at either apple store or best buy a couple of hours before they open friday so i can get the one i want Now I may just need to wait until online orders are available and have one waiting for me at the store when I get there. The other good news is I got yesterday was that the Logitech or Logitech announced their new lineup for iPad Air. They weren't specific on when they would be available other than November, but it means I may not have to use my older keyboard case with my new iPad for too long. Regards Myron Yu. Myron thanks for the heads up. Yeah, it does seem from what was being reported and from what I heard from people here that listen to the show that the Friday number of our first launch of the iPad Air, that, uh, well, first off, no one was really expecting it to sell out. However, the iPad Mini, which does not have a ship date yet, that seems to be the one most are expecting to be in short supply until at least sometime in 2014. If you are looking to get an iPad Air and live near an Apple store, uh, Best to get online. Well, hopefully you got online at 12:01 a.m. You can still go online now and order it. Probably the best thing for you to do is go online now and order it for pickup at the store tomorrow. Whenever, whenever it is you're hearing this, so forget the fact that we're already past November 1st, folks. If you do get a new iPad Air this weekend, make sure to call into the show and let us know which version you got: Wi-Fi only or Wi-Fi LTE and what storage level, and why on the storage level. And also tell us your thoughts on the new iPad Air. As always, you can call into the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or you can send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. For those still wanting to get an iPad Air, the folks at apple-tracker.com have a tool to check for iPad Airs and inventory at your 20 closest Apple stores. It sure does look like the 128 gigabyte version is either in demand or no stock was delivered to start with. For example, the Wi-Fi only unit in Space Gray, 128 gig, was only available at 5 of the 20 closest Apple stores to me. Whereas the 16 and 32 gig were available in inventory at all 20 stores, and the 64 gig was available at 17 of the 20 as of late Saturday evening on November 2nd. It does change a little for the silver version. 13 of 20 stores had 128 gig version, and all 20 stores had 16, 32, and 64 gig versions. For the cellular version, the silver version for T-Mobile was available at 10 of 20 stores, which is better than the 1 of 20 for AT&T version and 0 of 20 for Verizon. The Sprint version was at 17 of the 20 stores for the 128 gig version. Things look worse for Space Gray version. In short, it looks like silver iPad Airs have better availability, as do the lower storage options and the Wi-Fi only options. So if you are looking for a Space Gray 128 gig Verizon version, no soup for you at almost any store in the U.S. When I checked a bunch of zip codes, actually all the Apple stores I could check on, and that was over 100, only the Fifth Avenue store in New York had one. So basically one out of over 100 Apple stores in the U.S. had the space gray 128 gig Verizon version. I point all this out not just for those looking for the iPad Air, but for those planning on getting the iPad Mini 2 like me. Look for the link in the show notes titled iPad Air Availability, apple-tracker.com, and that's the dash symbol, not D-A-S-H. Look for that link in episode 287 at todayinios.com. Here's some feedback from people that waited online or got an iPad Air. Hi Rob, I arrived at the Apple Store in Canberra, Australia just after 8am for the iPad Air launch. There are about 50 people in line and the Apple staff were handing out cards for the items people wanted to buy. They were already out of the 128 gig cellular iPad so I looked elsewhere in the center and on the phone but with no luck I have now ordered online with engraving and should receive it late next week or early the week after. Thanks for the show. Always interesting and entertaining. Cheers, Bert. Hi, Rob. In line at the Glendale Galleria for the iPad Air. I'm the first person here at 6 a.m. It's 7 a.m. I got here at 6 a.m. It's 7 a.m. And there are six people now across the street, uh, 600 feet. There are the new iPhone store at the Americana, and there is 30 people in line. I will be getting the silver 64 gig ipad air today this is tony from burbank the only person who watches podcasts on apple tv signing off yes tony you are about the only person that uses apple tv to watch or listen to ipad uh, podcasts hi rob i woke up early drove 45 minutes to my local best buy store only to arrive at 7 30 and no one else was in the parking lot or even waiting in line so i went to breakfast next to the Best Buy, and after five minutes after eight, I was in the store buying an iPad 32 gig. I bought one for myself and one for my mom for Christmas gift and got two covers and left the store in about three minutes. Regards, Jim Valdosota, Georgia. Thanks to all that sent in feedback about being online for the iPad or getting their iPad or ordering their iPad online. The new iPad Air reviews are out, and they are all, for the most part, very positive. Look, Apple took a device in the iPad that had basically a 99% favorable rating and, well, made it faster and lighter. Duh. Of course the reviews are going to be positive. I have a link to a ZDNet article that has a link to a bunch of the reviews. But the one article I liked was from LaptopMag.com. They took the time to go through the many different pre-release reviews and come up with five complaints that were brought up from all the reviewers, not all of them, but that were brought up multiple times from the different reviews. One, no touch ID. I agree with this. I was hoping they would have had touch ID, especially as I now found myself holding my thumb on my wife's iPad all the time, waiting for it to unlock. Two, cameras don't wow. I find this a nitpick more than a complaint. I mean... Well, I guess some are complaining, but really, don't you know what a tool you look like when you're trying to take a photo with a tablet? Just saying. Three, a bit pricey. Again, a nitpick. You get what you pay for. And if you want to pay less, well, there is lots and lots of crap out there to choose from that's less. Just make sure you make room in the drawer on your desk because that is where the non-iPad tablet is quickly going to find itself living. Four, runs warm but then they note that it's not as warm as the 4th gen iPad when it is running full tilt. So it runs a little warm, but not as warm as the last gen. That's bad how? And five, no display innovation. Um, It is already a retina display. Where did they think Apple was going to go with it next? Someone actually complained that when the iPad Mini 2 launches, the iPad Air will not be the best pixel-density iPad. Oh my, is all I can say. Well, all I can say on a G-rated show. Essentially, for the iPad Air, it comes down to this for you. Do you want the 9.7 display or the 7.9-inch display? If you want the bigger display and you don't have a third or fourth-gen iPad, then the iPad Air will be a good choice for you. If you are like me and have a third-gen iPad and are looking for something a little bit smaller and a lot lighter, then the iPad Mini will likely be your cup of tea. But I'm biased, as that's what I want. And yes, putting the same number of pixels in a 7.9-inch screen that are in a 9.7-inch screen means the pixel density is greater. So the Mini, while lighter and cheaper, will have a better display than the heavier and more expensive iPad Air. Per speed test, the iPad Air and the iPad Mini should have identical results as they are basically identical internally using the same exact processor so rob you ask how did the ipad air do on those benchmark tests well i'm glad you asked because that brings us to another zdnet article that goes over some benchmark tests of the ipad air versus past ipads and well it blows the other ipads out of the water as is to be expected based on the new a7 64-bit processor on the multi-core geekbench 3 test the ipad air was 88% faster than the iPad 4th Gen and 432% faster than the iPad 2nd Gen and 3rd Gen and the iPad Mini. It was even a little bit better when the single-core test was done. Now, mind you, the iPad 2nd, 3rd, and 4th Gen and the iPad Mini all seem very snappy as it is. So while raw processing and benchmark tests show the iPad Air is much faster, 2-5 to times faster, than those older iPads, you will not likely see that raw performance improvement with most day-to-day use. But it is always nice to know you have it under the hood for those times you do actually need it. I am stoked to get the iPad mini and see how it works with BossJock and exporting as an MP3 and see how that changes versus the iPad third gen. Actually with the A7 chip on the 5S encoding to MP3 for a 60 second recording takes 41 seconds, but on the iPad third gen, a 60 second recording takes 53 seconds. So while the A7 is much faster, you will really need the apps optimized for 64 bit architecture to see the real speed improvements. And for most apps, you will just not see that. So if your main reason for getting the iPad Air or iPad mini is you want to see great performance increase compared to your older iPad, unless said older iPad is the first gen, you are likely going to be a little disappointed for some time. Keep that in mind when buying the iPad Air. It is about the future when more and more apps are optimized for the A7, not the present when only the Apple apps and very few game apps are. Oh, and one other thing to remember. Apple changed the name of the iPad full-size to iPad Air for a reason. It is so they can introduce at some point in the future the iPad Pro. Come on, you know it's true. So if you look at 9.7 inches and go, I want it bigger, there's likely something in the pipeline that will make you happy. One bit of good news not highlighted or mentioned or even hinted at at the October 22nd event is that for those of you looking for a cellular version of the iPad Air, but not on one of the big carriers, well, the iPad Air is going regional. Some of the carriers that are already confirmed that they'll be carrying it and getting the iPad Air on November 8th are GCI, Bluegrass Cellular, C Spire Wireless, and U.S. Cellular. With U.S. Cellular saying, and you know what we are also getting? The iPad Mini as well. No date on the iPad Mini availability uh, as well. Even Apple has not even said when that's going to be available beyond just later in November, mentioned at the October 22nd event. T-Mobile is offering up a data plan starting on Friday, November 1st, where they claim free data for life. Well, 200 megabytes of free data every month for life. I called T-Mobile to try to figure out exactly what type of plan I would need for this, and sadly, the person I talked to did not know anything about it. They just wanted to keep trying me to sign up for some other plans. What I do know from the site is you can bring your own tablet that has cellular So if you buy an iPad Air or iPad Mini 2 with cellular at Apple Store, you can bring it to T-Mobile and get this offering, regardless of which version you bought. And to get the free 200 megabit starter data, as they call it, you need to have an active mobile internet account with T-Mobile, which it seems can be a $0 a month plan, but likely will cost you $10 to set up with their SIM if you do not buy the T-Mobile version of the iPad Air to start with. So if what I understand to be true on this is you set up your device to work with T-Mobile by going to your local T-Mobile store and getting the SIM card kit for $10 and creating an account, which you set up as an on-demand data plan as a postpaid customer. And then going forward, you get 200 megabytes of free data each month. Now, this is a good offer for those that don't do much away from the house, uh, surfing, and, and when they do, it's just checking emails and tweets. But if you are someone that plans on watching Netflix at Little Susie's dance class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for two hours a night, yeah, this offer of 200 megabytes is probably pretty meaningless to you. I'll try to get more info on this for the next show, but it does look like if you buy an iPad Air or an iPad Mini 2, and you get the T-Mobile version, then you don't have to pay that $10 for the SIM card. It'll have the T-Mobile SIM in it. If you happen to get one for one of the other carriers, then it's going to cost you $10 to get that SIM card. Here's an email from this. Hi, Rob. I hope the delay in getting a new episode doesn't mean you are under the weather. Side note, not me. I had a dog that was. She is a 16-pound pug, and she ate an entire bag of Oreos. Big Big bag. She was kind of a little touch and go there, but she seems to be better now. Uh, to put that in perspective, what the vet said, that would be like me eating over 12 bags of Oreos. Yeah, not good. Okay, back to this email. Uh, hi, uh, I purchased a T Mobile iPad Air at my local Apple store. I turned off Wi Fi and created a new T Mobile account under settings and cellular. I am a new customer and don't have an existing service with them. I selected the default on demand plan with zero minutes and zero charge. They only ask for my standard personal info, but no credit card needed. I then received an email welcoming, to T- welcoming me to T Mobile and saying I will receive 200 megabytes free from now until 12 to 2013. I am assuming at that time I'll get another 200 megabytes. I expect if i use 200 megabytes they will push for frequent notifications to me trying to get me to buy more if a person gets decent coverage i think t-mobile ipad is the way to go also if you pay for a plan on t-mobile and you use up your allotment of data before the end of the month according to the website they don't just cut you off they simply drop you to a lower speed i had verizon and when i reached my limit i was cut off completely this in my opinion is another reason to go with t-mobile Another also, I read online that any old iPads that have cellular, if you get a new T-Mobile SIM, you can sign up and get the free promotional data. It doesn't have to be on the new iPad only or one specifically targeted to T-Mobile. Regards, Darren. Darren, thanks for that info. It does sure sound like when I get my iPad mini, I well, for my wife, it will be the T-Mobile version and I just need the cellular part f- well, she just needs a cellular part for occasional use. she's say, hey, aye, because right, first off, I don't think she's gonna let me touch it all that often. Okay, I wanna thank today's sponsor. And that again is Square Trade. For those of you that just dropped 500 to $900 on a new iPad Air, you'll be happy to know there is an iPad warranty for you to go to squaretrade.com slash TII2. That's TII, the number two. When you go to that page, it'll initially show the warranty at $99. But once you click through, it will then show the actual price as $89. That's right. For TII listeners, for a Square Trade warranty for your iPad, you can save $35 off the normal price and get two years of coverage for just $89. The iPad Air is almost half a pound lighter than the previous generation, and that means you'll want to take it more places, and more places mean more chances for accidents. And that is where SquareTrade comes in. It gives you a nice peace of mind, I have my SquareTrade warranty on my iPhone 5S and will get one for my iPad Mini 2 when it, and I get that as well, or when I get it for my wife. And you can get your warranty by going to squaretrade.com TII2, that's slash TII and the number 2, for your iPad discount of $35. If you have a new iPhone that just arrived and is less than 30 days old, time to get a warranty for it as well. Go to squaretrade.com slash TII for your iPhone warranty. Links in the show notes for both. Thanks, SquareTrade for sponsoring the show. Hi, Rob. I've been syncing my iPhone 5S via iTunes by clicking the choice to sync with iPhoto on versions 7.01 and 7.02, but now it has disappeared as a choice on iTunes syncing setup. I did update iPhoto to the version released yesterday, 9.5, and I have installed the most recent version of iTunes 11.1.2 and am on Mavericks. It shows the choice to sync to Aperture, which I also have, and another choice to sync directly with my picture folders, but no more iPhoto. Can you please offer any assistance or insight? Regards, Fraser, in Ontario, Canada. Hi, Fraser. I'm running iTunes 11.1.2 and iOS 7.0.3, but not Mavericks. But what I am seeing is when my iPhone 5S is connected and you go into iTunes on my computer and then go to the Photos tab, I am seeing iPhoto as a listed as an option to sync to. From what I read, Maverick still supports direct from computer to iPhone sync of photos via iPhoto, as long as you are not set up to sync photos via iCloud. So check to see if you have iCloud sync set up for your iOS device or your Mac. I will say there is a lot of back and forth on the support forums about this issue and there are a few people that did say 100% they could still do this with Mavericks and a couple saying 100% they could not. I tend to feel in these cases where some people are reporting they can set something up and others are reporting they can't set something up, that the ones that are reporting that they can't set something up have something set up wrong. But if no one could, then I would say it was a Mavericks issue. Thanks to Tash for this next one. And this is an article more for Mac OS 10 users than iOS users and is about how some of the new Mac apps for iWork uh, iLife actually saw some features removed with their quote-unquote updates. Seems what Apple decided to do is make the Mac apps and the iOS apps more similar in feature sets. And they did this by moving the feature set up a little with the iOS apps and down a little with the OS 10 apps. So they are kind of moving to meet in the middle, which well sucks if you use iWork and iLife apps mostly on your laptop. Hopefully Apple quickly adds back the missing features on the OS 10 side and at the same time adds those features to the iOS versions.
4: Hey,
5: Rob, it's Kyle from Minnesota. I was I just bought a new iPhone 5s and I when I was setting it up, I didn't get any of the iWork apps and now in hindsight i see that that was a bad idea i'm just wondering is there a way i can still get them for free or do i have to now buy them thanks love the show bye
0: into the email bag hey rob my wife and i both just updated her 4 and my 4s to 5s's and couldn't be happier i love this device also went with square trade warranties on both devices thanks for the discount You mentioned in episode 286 that iWorks comes free if you buy a new iOS device. How do I take advantage of this? Is it iWorks from my device only or from my MacBook as well? Thanks, Rob. Updating to Mavericks now. Regards, Aaron M. Hi, Aaron and Kyle and all others that asked about this. To get your free iOS apps, pages, numbers, keynote, iPhoto, iMovie, and GarageBand on your new iOS device purchased after September 1st, On said new iOS device, launch the App Store app. You should see a pop-up about Apple's apps, and you are then presented with the option to download all. For the Apple apps, and that includes the apps I just mentioned, plus the podcast apps, iBooks, iTunes U, Find My iPhone, and a few others. Click download all to get them all. Again, these apps are free, on the iOS device you purchased after September 1st, running iOS 7 or later. If you do not see the pop-up when you launch the App Store app, go to the bottom of the screen for the App Store app and select Apps Made by Apple. You should see Free next to all those not installed already. Just tap on Free and start the install process. For those that see a price next to any of the apps from Apple, It means said device was purchased before September 1st. And the same thing goes for any Apple laptops or desktops. The device had to have been purchased after September 1st. So your laptop or your desktop had to be purchased after September 1st to get the free iWorks and iLife suite.
5: Rob, just wanted to let you know that I upgraded the iPhone 5S 64 to 7.0.3 this morning after listening to 286 and the Pages and Numbers apps are now working correctly. Previously, I would try to copy something out of there into an email, and it would just crash the phone and reboot. So thankfully, it's working. Enjoy the show. Thank you.
0: I do want to talk a little bit about what you really get with the new Apple apps that were just updated for iOS side. Um, from the release notes, let's start with the podcast app. First, it's designed for iOS 7 as all these apps that Apple just released are. The podcast store is now in the featured tab at the feature tabs at the bottom. No more flipping over to the podcast store and then back to your library. Search is much, much improved. Podcasts now automatically update with new episodes, even while the app is not open. You can choose how often the podcast's app checks for new updates to your feeds. And iCloud now keeps your subscriptions, stations, and play positions in sync with iTunes and Apple TV. And as mentioned, the lyrics tab slash show notes now show up. Overall, I think the updates to the podcast app were very good, and this was an overall very good update. With the GarageBand app, you can now create a song with up to 32 tracks using touch instruments. Audio recording and loops, this does require the A7 processor. 16 tracks are available for any other iOS 7 device except the iPhone 4. It supports airdrop and full 64 bit processing, and you can record compatible third party music apps using Inner Apps Audio. For numbers, there are new Apple design templates. Yawn. You can animate data with new interactive column, bar, scatter, and bubble charts. You can use AirDrop to send your spreadsheet to anyone nearby. You can share a link to your spreadsheet via mail, messages, Twitter, and Facebook. And anyone with a shared document link can have access to the latest version of the spreadsheet and can edit with you at iCloud.com. You can export to .csv. And there is some coach tips for guided in-app help you can turn to iMovie, so a bunch of additions. Share clips and movies to iMovie Theater. adjustments bars for easy access to video and audio controls. Three new transitions, slide, wipe, and fade through black or white. Slow motion, cutaway, picture-in-picture, and split-screen effects. You can add the audio portion of video clips to a movie, i.e. you can strip out and use the audio from a movie. You can duplicate audio or video clips. You can trim, split, or reposition music and sound effects. Adjustable audio fade in and fade out. Share via AirDrop to send video clips and iMovie projects, which I'm sure is very nice, for sending video from your iPhone to your iPad. If you have a movie you have created with the new iMovie and it uses some of these features, please email me a link to the video to share with others in the audience. Keynote, my favorite Apple app, also had some changes. There are some new animations and effects, including updated Magic Move, Clothesline, and more. New Apple design themes. You can animate data just like with numbers. You can use AirDrop to send your presentations and like with Numbers, you can send a link to your presentation and anyone using iCloud you send it to can get access to view and edit it with you. And there are also coaching tips for guided in-app help. And not surprisingly, of all the apps, iPhoto seem to have the most new features slash changes. Not surprisingly, because photos are such a big thing with the iPhone. You can order pro-quality prints and create and order professionally printed hardback photo books so now you can totally blow off your entire family on that flight back from a vacation as you work to get a book created of your vacation and all your significant others can remember from the vacation is that you played on your iOS device the entire flight home and did not notice that your five-year-old was kicking the seat in front of him and that your seven-year-old asked a flight attendant when they removed the weight limit for stewardesses and after that they did not get their drinks. Okay, maybe best to create that photo book at night when all are asleep. Some other useful features of the new iPhoto, actually one of the most useful is the ability to delete photos from the camera roll from iPhoto, something no other app can do, as well as save edits back to your photo roll you just made, which when combined with the advanced search controls will hopefully make managing your photos where you keep the ones you want and delete those that you don't need a little bit easier. You can share photos from your iPhoto directly via messages and there is improved support for panoramas and web journal layouts. And finally, of course, there's airdrop support. Finally, there is the Pages app. Now over 60 templates to choose from, text formatting options added to your keyboard, there is the same animated data that is in Numbers and Keynote. There is also the same share a link and collaborative options via iCloud. You can now turn your document into an ebook and by exporting to EPUB. This is one I'm looking forward to using on my new iPad mini if and when I get that. Okay, it's my wife's, it's not mine. Apple realizes to keep people locked in, they need to offer up the best productivity apps. So I would expect we will see updates to all these apps on a rather regular basis going forward. If you find any neat new features in any of these apps, podcast app, pages, keynote, numbers, iPhoto, iMovie, GarageBand, let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206, Moondog. Or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. It's back. The iOS daylight savings time bug, that is. Yes in the US this weekend is daylight savings and in the past that has usually meant some sort of issue because I guess everyone that works on the code for this part of iOS lives in either Arizona or Indiana. Seems this year in the UK when they hit their daylight savings time the wrong current timeline in the day view was the bug this time around, day view of the calendar that is, I guess expect the same in the U S just be careful looking at your day view in the calendar app on Sunday. And yeah, definitely make sure when you get up Sunday, all your alarms are still working. Who knows what else will pop up this weekend into the email bag. Hi Rob. Levi needed a way to access notes in an old backup. And the program I use is I Explorer by macro plant. It is for both Mac and PC and I've been using their other program, SharePod, for years, which allowed me to copy music out of a defunct iPod, iPhone, and iPad to my computer. It even would import the music into iTunes after it checked to make certain you didn't already have said music in your library. iExplorer is a newer offering, which works for devices running iOS 7 and allows you to extract data from any old backup Notes, voicemail, text, etc. It does it all, and you can download and use it for free with some limitations, then buy it later if you like it for $35. Here is their website www.getsharepod.com. Hope this helps. Love the show. Regards, Dave, T, and Little Rody. Hi, Rob. I heard a listener was wondering how to retrieve notes from an old iOS backup. Well, I found this software that looks promising. Just thought I'd share it. Regards, Richard. And he sent me a link to iPhoneBackupExtractor.com. I'll have a link for both that one and the Get SharePod in the show notes for episode 287 over at TodayAndiOS.com. Thank you, gentlemen, for sending those in.
5: Hey Rob, it's Eric from AppChasers.com, just giving you a call to answer a question, I believe it was from Ed on uh, episode 286, and he had a question about Reminders app and setting reminder for when you get to a grocery store or another store and you want a list to come up. Um, the app that I recommend is uh, it's called Checkmark, one word, Checkmark, and uh, it does that. It allows you to set a location. And then when you get to that location, it'll bring up your list of reminders. And um, I actually have a post about it that I wrote on my site, appchasers.com. So if you go there, just do a search for Checkmark. All right, I hope that helps. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for everything, Rob. Bye.
0: Eric, thanks for the feedback on Checkmark. Into the email bag. Hey, Rob, I sent the email to you about the Maps app lagging. And that was in the old version of iOS 7.0.2. And yes, iOS 7.0.3 did fix that issue. Regards, Robert. Hi, Robert. Great to hear that 7.0.3 fixed the lag issue in the maps for iOS 7. Hi, Rob. I was wondering why my mail app keeps having me re-enter the password for my individual accounts. It seems to do it every three days or so. I find this puzzling. Regards, Jonah. Hi Jonah, I have not seen that issue with my mail app on my iPhone, but my mail, my IMAP account stopped working on Thursday night. So I'm guessing something changed with IMAP and Gmail and the iPhone on November 1st. Still uh, trying to get that worked out. Uh, Hopefully I get it working again. But my other accounts, which are working fine, are set up as pop accounts. Hopefully I will get that fixed sometime today after this episode goes live. If others have been seeing issues with email and their iPhone since iOS 7, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206 moon Or send the email to todayinios at gmail.com.
5: Hey, Rob. This is Sade from Long Beach, California. I tried the GarageBand app. That's not quite what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like a ringtone app that you pick a song from iTunes and download it straight to your phone without a computer, Um, like Android do. You can pick a song and download it straight to the phone or uh, get a song off of YouTube or whatever and download it straight to your phone without plugging your phone to a computer. So uh, if anybody can help me with that, please let me know. Thanks Rob, love the show, bye.
0: Well, we have this email. Hi Rob, ringtone app with music already on your iPhone? use the app R-Maker, one word, R-M-A-K-E-R. For Ringtones app to find already made ringtones, use the app Ringtones. Regards, Simeon F. So, Chardet, it sounds like R-Maker is the one you're really looking for, but you also may want to check out Ringtones as well. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Ben here from productivitypad.blogspot.com. Just listening to 286 and heard the caller ask about the quote other unquote category. As you said, most of this is real, but some is, of it is not, particularly if you have had downloads such as podcasts abort and leave half finished files floating around. There is an app for PC and Mac that is free called Phone Clean, which will clear them out for you. It works really well and has sped up several of my devices by freeing up memory. Regards, Ben N. Ben, thank you for the heads up on the free app called Phone Clean that's available for both your PC and your Mac. Phone Clean, two words. On the last episode, I had a question about tipping Apple Store employees, and here is what I received back from an Apple Store blue shirt. Hi, Rob. I work in Redacted at the Apple Store, I don't know if you got any feedback yet, but current Apple policy states that no employees are allowed to accept any financial bribery. I've been offered for carrying a computer out to a car from an elderly man and turned it down. Also, we regularly have one of our one members give us things like fruit and stuff, apples, bananas, oranges. When they come in for training sessions, I think this is potentially a gray area, though it may be okay because there isn't a direct exchange of goods, aka bribe or discounted hardware sessions, since there is not any actual two-way transaction. Regards, Redacted. Well, thank you, Redacted. Hi, Rob. If anyone misses the flying icons in iOS 7.0.3, yes, because we all do. Turn off, reduce motion, and it brings back the flying icons. Regards, Stephen in Houston.
5: Hey, Rob. Jonathan here at com. I've got an idea. Since you probably don't have the ability to tweet a push notification, why not just take a screen save, crop that down to the needed information, and tweet that?
0: Jonathan, thanks for that feedback. And that was per the question when someone asked if there is a way to retweet, forward on a push notification you get on your iOS device from an app. So basically just take a screenshot, crop it, and then put that in your tweet, that image of that image that you took and cropped. Hi, Rob. Here is a handy tip. It might be true that your nickname is Big Boy, but you might not want everyone to know. The tip is how to disable nicknames for messages, phone, and mail in iOS 7. Regards, Chris in London. Thanks, Chris, for the heads up on this. Yeah, it seems in the message thread, if you have a nickname applied, it is what is shown. Okay, to kill this quote-unquote feature, go to Settings App, Mail Contacts Calendar, Short Name under Contacts, then scroll down to Prefer Nicknames and turn it off, which is exactly what I did because, yeah, that could get embarrassing and we'll leave it at that. There is a nice article on CNET titled Lock the iPad to Just One App. I know we talked about this when iOS 6 came out, but it's worth mentioning again for iOS 7. Essentially how it works is you first set up guided access feature, settings, general, restrictions, guided access, turn it on, and set a four-digit passcode. Then go to the app you want to open and quickly Tap the home button three times. You can then pick places in the app where you cannot touch or whoever you're trying to block it from cannot touch. Note to self, need to do a tutorial on how to lock Netflix app into just kids mode. Seems someone was watching a few minutes of Breaking Bad recently and it was not me or the wife. Then after you do that and select the buttons to turn off, you hit the Start button at in the top right to get out of the Guided Access, triple-click the Home button, and enter your four-digit passcode. Did not catch all that? Well, look for the link in the show notes for Episode 287 over todayinios.com titled Lock the iPad to Just One App, and check out the video link they have in the article. For parents with kids who like to get into apps on mom's iPad, you don't want them to, this is a very nice feature, especially on long car rides, and they are in the back seat, and you don't want to worry about what they are getting into while you're driving. There are a few different posts out there about Apple's plans to spend $11 billion in capital expenditures for fiscal year 2014, which started at the end of September. The first post I read said, this would be a 57% increase from what they spent in 2013, which got me all excited. Until I read another post that said in 2013, Apple planned to spend $10 billion but only spent $7 billion on new buildings and equipment. Seems the $11 plan for 2014 is really only a 10% increase, more than the $10 billion they had planned to spend in 2013. The reason for the shortfall in spending for 2013, according to Apple, is, quote, largely due to a combination of some timing changes and efficiencies we were able to achieve, unquote. In reality, what most of the capital expenditures winds up being spent on is equipment that Apple buys and puts in their suppliers' factories. This is how Apple gets ahead of the competition, by enabling their supply chain to outperform the competition and by also restricting their suppliers from using that equipment for anyone but them. When Carl Icahn talks about giving all that money back to investors, this is something he misses. Apple uses their capital very wisely. They buy the best supply chain in the world. So back to 2013 and the shortfall. The comment about timing changes really sounds like some project line or product line was pushed out. And that, in part, will explain why the 2014 expenditure increases. There is also that spaceship campus construction thing going on. So, okay, maybe not a good use of capital as, uh, say, bolstering the supply chain. Uh, I should put the expenditures into perspective, though. In 2012, Apple spent 10.3 billion, so 11 billion is only 6.7 percent increase from 2012. Yeah, 11 billion in that context, and considering the spaceship campus is starting, well, now it doesn't sound quite impressive at all. I mean, when looking at percentage increases, not the actual billion dollars thing that's in there, because. Spending $11 billion is just impressive overall anyway. Backeth to the email bag. Hi Rob, I have a question for you or for the listeners. I am looking for an app that can do speech detection and auto-language detection. I mean that I want to let it hear some kind of language and the app will tell me which language it is and do the translation for it. Basically, you're looking for a universal translation program. Is there any app like that? Regards Alan in, in Israel. Hi, Alan. I am not sure if there is an app like that. I mean, outside of a Star Trek episode. But it may be coming soon to Siri in the future. What languages do you understand?
5: I speak Cantonese, English, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Mandarin, and Spanish so far. If you want to change the language I speak and understand, you can do that in Siri settings.
0: The interesting thing in her reply is the so far comment. One rumor about what is next for Siri is basically she becomes a universal translator. You say something to her and then ask her to say it in another language. The other person says something in the other language and Siri says it back to you in your language. That would be a nice built-in feature for iOS 7.1, but likely will be iOS 8.x. Why is this likely going to happen? Well, Apple did hire a bunch of multilingual cloud experts, and it is rumored that that is what they're working on. What is the German for new features coming soon?
5: I'm sorry, Robert. C3PO is still teaching me how to translate. In the meantime, I can search the web for you.
0: Switching gears, we talked some time back about a couple of Russian carriers no longer carrying the iPhone, MTS and Vimblecom. Well, now seems they are back. Vimplecom signed an agreement with Apple, and MTS acquires its iPhones now through a third-party distributor to get around some rules laid down by Apple. While their decision in the past to drop the iPhone was headline news, it seems their decision to go back with the iPhone was relegated to page 23, right next to the Community Happening section. Some great quotes out of Microsoft about the free offerings of iWork apps and to iOS and iOS 10 users. Quote, Frank Shaw, Microsoft's corporate vice president for communication, also argued that Microsoft's tablets were better than Apple's new iPads. Unquote. mental reports, reacting to news that Apple was dropping its fees for its iWork suite of apps, Shaw said in a blog post, quote, now, since iWork has never gotten much traction and was already priced like an afterthought, it's hardly that surprising or significant of a move. Unquote. He also downplayed Apple's rollout of the new iPad devices, saying Microsoft Surface and Surface 2 are less expensive than the iPad 2 and iPad Air, respectively, and yet offer more storage both onboard and in the cloud. Pimento reports, uh, when I quote, when I see Apple drop the price of their struggling, lightweight productivity apps, I don't see a shot across our bow. I see an attempt to play catch up, he wrote. I think they, like others, are waking up to the fact that we've built a better solution for people everywhere who are getting things done from anywhere and who don't have hard lines between their personal and professional lives. People want a single, simple, affordable device with the power and flexibility to enhance and support their whole day. He did not discuss Apple's surprising move to make its new Mac operating system, known as Mavericks, available for free of charge, unquote. When Apple offers a reduction in price to zero for some of their best-selling apps in the iTunes App Store, which is the best-selling app store there is, it's not about trying to ship product collecting dust, like when, say, Microsoft reduced the price of the Surface tablets. Nope, this is about Apple improving the user experience of the, in, for the whole Apple ecosystem, something clearly those at Microsoft don't get or don't want others to get. So the quote is either one we can just easily, in this case, blame on incompetence, as we could, well, on malice. Oh, you know I love this next story. Well, it seems Samsung was just fined by Taiwan's FTC for paying for both fake positive reviews of its product and also paying for fake negative reviews of its competitor's product. I mean, it's bad enough to pay for fake positive reviews, but they went the extra mile and paid for fake negative reviews of their competition. So, to quickly go over Samsung's recent actions, One, fake paid reviews, both positive and negative. Two, cheating on benchmark tests. Three, continued copying of Apple products. And four, admitting to sharing documents from their lawyers to engineers the court said they were not and could not share. Seems Samsung just keeps raising the bar on how sleazy they can be as a company. Makes you wonder how anyone could be pro-Samsung. I mean... Anyone not getting paid to be pro-Samsung, that is. I know, the next time I hear or read anyone saying anything nice about Samsung, I'm going to immediately think they're just being paid under the table to say something nice about Samsung, because that's, well, how Samsung rolls. In completely unrelated news, executives at J.D. Powers have recently purchased brand new homes.
5: Hi, Rob. This is Wayne Henderson from the Packers Stand podcast. I enjoyed your most recent episode of PII, which I always have since uh, episode one. But basically, I finally upgraded from my iPhone 4 to a 5S uh, Space Gray, I guess it's called. I just want to call it gunmetal. Anyway, huge improvement, vastly superior. I'm loving Siri. And of course, I used your link to get the Square Trade insurance for two years for ninety-four bucks. Big savings going that route. So I thank you for that. It made it easy to find and easy to use. Now I'm rocking and waiting patiently to uh, have the chance to get myself one of those new iPad minis. Thanks for everything you do. Talk to you later,
0: Wayne. Thanks for the feedback. Hi, Rob. With the new iPads that are coming out, I wonder if there's any reason to not get the iPad Mini since it has the same specs as the main iPad, iPad Air. Is it really worth the $100 for the bigger screen? I mean, the Mini is technically a better screen with the same pixels. It has everything the bigger iPad does. Internally, it's weird. People want a bigger phone and a smaller tablet. One thing that really struck out uh, me As a sore thumb was this quote from October 22nd event, quote, The biggest request we've gotten is a retina display for the iPad mini, and we listened, unquote. To me, that was a bad omen. I miss the days when Apple didn't do what consumers wanted, rather they showed consumers what they wanted. Like Steve Jobs would say, people don't know what they want because they haven't showed it to them yet. Apple shouldn't respond to customers' requests. It's done so well. Telling customers what they want rather than having customers tell them what to do. Anyways, I would love to hear your response on this, and I still hate the smaller side bezels, even though I'm in the less than 1% on that, I'm sure. Regards, Jason H. Hi, Jason. First up, if you don't like the smaller side bezels, then the iPad Mini will definitely be the better solution, as I'm guessing the smaller side bezels will be less noticeable on the Mini than the iPad Air. I agree with you on that quote, that seemed like uh, the most unApple quote I've heard in a long time, and I agree. Uh, I hope Apple gets back to showing us what we want rather than giving us what we ask for. No company gets ahead of the competition or stays ahead by listening to their customers. I mean, not for new products. I'm not saying they should flip the bird to us, but don't tell us you added it because we asked for it. Next, they'll be adding a micro USB connector and an SD card slot plus a removable battery if they keep on that path. Back to you, my big. Hey, Rob, you might already know this. You can now use your iPhone camera to scan the numbers on the back of a gift card, iTunes gift card. It immediately recognizes the little box around the codes and locks it in. It's actually pretty neat, and it sure beats dealing with reading and entering each character. I'm on iOS 7.0.3. I haven't used a gift card for a year, so I don't know when they implemented this. Regards, John P., Indian Harbor Beach, Florida. John, thanks for that tip.
5: Hey, Rob, this is Sam in Orlando, Florida. Calling because I just noticed something cool, and I haven't heard it mentioned yet, but since I got my new iPhone 5S, and it might just be iOS 7, but now when I get notifications that slide down from the top, I can just dismiss them by flicking them back up. That's pretty cool because sometimes they just get in the way. Keep up the good work.
2: Hello, Rob. This is Fred and Raleigh. I want to thank you for playing responses to my inquiry on how to get photos on iDevices to display in the order I want, not date, timestamp order. Unfortunately, none of those solutions are going to work for me. For example, if I were to put them in a presentation, as you might suggest, that would make duplicate copies and be a lot of work, I think. Also, I corresponded with the owner of one of the apps mentioned, and she said they do not support user-specified display order. And I even investigated the new app Loom, which is primarily interested in cloud storage of photos, not user-specified display order. Maybe someday. I just don't understand why more people aren't complaining about this problem. Apple doesn't seem to be interested in matching features on existing products, only innovating new ones. Another deficiency in my book is the fact that there's no way to filter incoming mail into different folders, which I do heavily with Outlook today. Bummer. Which begs the question, is there any way to report bugs or request features from Apple? Thanks.
0: Fred I have a voicemail here I'm going to play in a second per the photos. But per your question on reporting bugs or requesting features, that's pretty much done through the developer accounts. When when you have a developer account and the betas are going through, there's a place to report bugs there. Uh, so people are reporting bugs. At least the developers are. I know I've reported a couple in uh, to Apple. I don't remember if it, you could also report features. I can't think you can, but it was more designed again about reporting bugs.
5: Hey Rob, this is Don from Oregon, a longtime listener. See, I remember a few episodes back, someone was asking about the inability to in in iPhoto or Aperture, the in, inability to um, sequence photos other than the time in which they were taken. What I would recommend is if they have an iMac or which I do, just go ahead and make a make an album. You know, under the uh, Sequence File Album, create a new album and just drag some photos in there. And regardless of when they're taken, you can then sequence them in any any way you want and, uh, you know, do a slideshow presentation and so on. Uh, Love your show. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: Don, thanks for the feedback. Switching over to Kickstarter. Here's a Kickstarter project I've been waiting to mention, and it is the Geno, G-E-N-N-E-O. And it is a mobile generator that you put in your backpack, or laptop bag, or jacket pocket, or even pants pocket. And as you walk, the motion generates power that's used to charge USB devices or iOS devices. I have been uh, waiting for this one, as I mentioned, as I met the lead designer for this at a One Million Cups event here in Kansas City back earlier this year. Sadly, right now, they are getting a little behind their goal of $100,000. Yep, you know what I think about goals of $100,000. Anyway, they currently have around $11,000 in pledges, so they're at 11% of their way to their goal, roughly. This one has a pledge period running until November 20th at 3.01 a.m. Eastern Time. Pricing on this is $175 for the 2,900 milliamp version, and $225 for the 3400 milliamp version. If you walk around campus or you backpack and hike, this is a nice solution to allow you to charge your device just from the movement of you walking around. He did a good job explaining how it works at the million cup event. They have some patents and then he also explained why they'll be able to produce this product in a production environment and why they will hit their timelines which would be very unique for a Kickstarter project. They have an estimated delivery of February 2014. Look for Gino, spelled G-E-N-N-E-O, at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 287. Yeah, delivery dates and Kickstarter are more a if-the-star-is-online-just-right type of date. Take the earphones I mentioned earlier this summer, the SoundBand. I think it was originally that they had a October ship date for the first 100, and that date has now slipped to sometime in Q2, 2014. Probably best case at this point, the way it sounds. So much for that being a Christmas or Valentine's Day gift. Maybe if we are lucky, it will be a Mother's Day gift. But I would not be surprised at this point if it became a 4th of July gift or a Labor Day gift. Oh well. Maybe Christmas 2014 is now covered, but at least they keep sending updates. The other two Kickstarter projects I've funded and I'm waiting for are the SOS Charger. Original ship date was August 2013, updated ship date late November 2013. The last or the first one of the three that I'm waiting on is the ReCap project. That's the one that lets you record phone calls from your iPhone. They shipped out the initial 10 units at the end of September and are supposed to ship out the rest in November. So hopefully I have that to report on shortly. Which, by the way, September and November for the initial and then the bulk units, that is what they originally said they would do. So they really, that one stayed on schedule so far. Kudos to Igor Ramos, the lead on that project. Thanks to Chris in London for this next one, which I kept pushing out to the next episode and then the next and then the next, and now it's to this episode. It is about the Game Case, which brings a full size natively supported gamepad to iOS 7 devices. This is made by the folks at Clam Case. Now, this is not supposed to ship until late 2013 or early 2014, but if the folks are listening at Clam Case, you know, I would love to get a review unit. Just saying. For those that like to play games and like to use the physical controls, you can sign up for notifications at GameCase.com, which I did and also requested a press-slash-eval unit. And, well, we'll see how that works out. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I got BBM on day one, and I am noticing huge battery drains on my iPhone 5. Just a heads up, since 20 million users join BBM, That said, I prefer iMessage. Regards, Dev. Hi, Dev. Thanks for the heads up on the issues with BlackBerry Messenger, BBM. So if you just installed BBM, and you means anyone out there, and your battery life is dropping faster than the market share for BlackBerry smartphones, now you know why. Oh, and I guess I should mention, for those that did not know, BlackBerry Messenger finally is available for iOS devices. Just search for BBM in the iTunes App Store, or look for the link in the show notes for episode
5: 287. Hi, Rob. This is from Pennsylvania. I had a question for maybe you or the the audience. Um, I'm having a problem. I have an iPhone 5 with a lightning port, and I'm having a problem with my charging, and I've read online that it gets real linty up there, and then the charger doesn't work quite right. And I was looking for a method of how to clean it properly without damaging it, and I've read three different ways to do it online, One of them I tried and didn't work. It was with the air can. It just didn't do anything. And so I guess I was just looking to, I want to do something that won't damage it. And if you've done anything or if your audience, it's just so much harder to clean now that it's a smaller port. I guess I was just looking for a method that works best for anyone that maybe tried it. Or if you know something personally that has worked, um, I'd appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I love the show and I appreciate any answers I can get. Thank you.
0: Well, the first thing I would recommend, highly, highly recommend, is you get a new cable, or have if you have another cable, check it. It may not be the port itself in the device, and it's likely not the port. It's more likely the cable that you're plugging into your device. So that is more likely going to be where you have the issue than the port of your iPhone 5. So first things first, get a new cable, see if that works or not. If it winds up not working with the new cable... Then you may want to talk to the Apple store or, you know, obviously I'm going to throw this out to the audience. If anyone has had an issue with their iOS device that has a lightning port where you had an actual issue with the port, how did you clean it to and were you able to resolve that issue? Give us a call. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the ML bag. Hello, Rob. I have an iPod 5th gen, and my Gmail, whenever I launch it, just says no offline messages. But on my other Gmail accounts, it works. Any suggestions, regards, Daniel? I'm going to throw that one out to the audience. Give us a call or send us an email. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. For years, I've used the Recall app, R-E-Q-A-L-L app and web service to send short voice transcription messages, emails directly to my email. When the app is running, only a single tap to record and another tap when done and the message is sent to their server where it can be routed as an email reminder or text message, I simply use it to send my email email, and then the transcription shows up in the subject line. Uh, Recall no longer works with iOS 7, and the service is being shut down. I'm looking for an alternative that is easy to use. Using the Mail app with the microphone button, dictation to Siri or Dragon Dictate all take too much more time and many more steps, uh, can, and it can be a huge distraction. I'd love to hear of any alternatives to that the TII listeners may know of, regards Ed in Lenexa, Kansas. Well, if anyone has any suggestions for Ed on a really simple, easy-to-use app that will record your dictation and then send you that dictation and just one step to record and one step to send, please let us know. Give us a call or send us an email. Hi, Rob. I upgraded to the iPhone 5S on launch day, and I was extremely happy with the overall performance of the phone. However, last weekend, I broke my right collarbone during a bike accident and I lost the use of my right hand being right-handed. This was a huge inconvenience, but because of the design of the iPhone 5S, I could still use the iPhone in my left hand and reach every corner of the phone. I also happened to have set up my phone to recognize both my left and right thumbprints. Being an Apple fanboy has its benefits. I couldn't imagine any Sammy phone user trying to use one of those fat phones with just one hand. Regards, Tony Allen, San Francisco. Well, hi, Tony, and sorry to hear about your accident, and I hope you recover quickly. And yes, you are correct. One-handed operation on one of those phablets or 5-inch smartphones would be difficult at best.
5: Hi, Rob, this is Gary in Florida. I, too, had the problem after 7.0.3 of my phone crashing when I uh, signed in with Touch ID. So uh, I did read on the forum that you could turn off the reduced motion, and that's supposed to fix it, so we'll see how it goes. But I had reset up the phone as new and everything, and nothing was helping. I had given up and turned off Touch ID, but hopefully we're back in business.
2: Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rob. This is Dr. McKay in Las Vegas. I just wanted to say that I updated the 7.0.3 and hoping to fix the iMessage problem, and I noticed that I was still having the problem. Just a quick note, I had to reset my network settings on both my iPhone 5S and my wife's iPhone 5 to actually get iMessages to work after we'd both updated to 7.0.3. Just thought I'd let you know. Thanks. Bye.
0: For those asking about iOS 7.0.3 update and the ability to jailbreak in the future, at least according to MuscleNerd, it is safe to upgrade to iOS 7.0.3, assuming you are already running iOS 7.0.x. So, yes, it seems okay to update. Which makes sense because in the past, when a new jailbreak came out, it worked for whatever was the latest and greatest version of iOS. So, if you just came home from the Apple Store with a brand new iOS device, the day a jailbreak was made public, it should jailbreak your device. That, by my definition, is a public jailbreak and one I would promote and I'll put up a tutorial on when said jailbreak is made available for iOS 7.0.x or 7.1 or whenever it is that they make it available. Hi Rob, I think this article will be very interesting for your listeners in the U.S. who are interested in dropping their high-cost plans with the big carriers. Thanks for the job you do in helping us get the most out of our iOS devices. Regards, Dr. John M. And this is an article titled, How to Get Unlimited Talk, Text, and Data for $30 a Month on an iPhone. Hint, you'll need the following. One, T-Mobile prepaid plan. Two, Google Voice. Three, Talk-A-Tone app. And, well, then four, the link to the article per the title previously mentioned, which goes over how to tie items one through three together. Thanks, Dr. John, for the heads up on that. I had a few people, and few would be in quotes there, asking my thoughts on testing done by OptoFidelity testing the accuracy of the iPhone's touchscreen versus that of the S3, and that they found the S3 more accurate across the entire screen when the iPhone was being less accurate around the edges. Sadly, so far, I have not seen an official response from Apple. Some have said this inaccuracy on the edges is on purpose by Apple so that when you touch at an angle towards the side of the screen, it purposely is off, kind of Apple's way of Kentucky windage for you. Apple has said in the past, as in the way distance past of 2007, that they already changed the target size for the keys on the keyboard based on the I, what the iPhone thinks you are trying to type. So if you're typing the word slow, by the time you get to the W, the target area for the W is bigger than that for the Q, the E, or the S around it, making it easier for you to hit it. My guess is the inaccuracies measured by the robot at OptoFidelity are on purpose and not a bad design. Why else would there be a pattern for the inaccuracies? This is also the thinking of Nick Arnott over at Neglected Potential, who wrote a really nice blog post on this subject matter. It would be nice for Apple to put out something official about this. If they do, I'll make sure to mention it on a future episode. I saw a nice blog post for the blog Dust View. The post was titled, iPhone 5S vs. Nokia Lumia 1020 Camera Shootout. As the article mentions, the 1020 has the camera called by many as the current leader of the pack in smartphone cameras. However, once you read this article and see the side-by-side shots, you'll see that not only does the 5S hold its own over all, but the 5S is really the much better camera. They did 10 different side-by-side photos where each photo had some different condition to it. Some were about colors, some were about clarity, some were about low light, some about zooming in. And in the end, the score was 8 to 3, one of the categories they tied. So they could should have really scored it 7.5 to 2.5. It's hard uh, to audibly explain the difference in the pictures because, you know, a picture is worth 1,000 words and there are 10 different photos with two different versions of each, and that would mean 20,000 words are needed. Or I could just say, look for the link for the post titled iPhone 5S versus Nokia Lumia 1020 camera shootout in the show notes for episode 287 at todayinios.com. But yes, I was really surprised by the outcome of the test As a few certain tech podcasters out there seem to be so high on the Nokia camera, doubt they ever did a side-by-side like this. That's okay. We realize it's fashionable right now to be negative about Apple. I am sure once the wind blows in the other direction, they'll come back in the Apple camp. Once again. Just saying.
4: Hi, I'm Arnold in Raleigh. I have a question about how to do something in iOS 7 that is different from what it was in earlier versions. I hope it's simply a case of I don't know how to do it, but that it can be done. I'm one of the people who has to use voiceover, so I don't know if it just can't be done with voiceover, or that it can't be done at all. I surely hope that isn't the case. In the music app, it's arranged differently now than it was. If I have several albums by a given artist, it used to be that they were in their own folders, I suppose, and I could delete the individual albums. Now, they're arranged all in one folder, as it were, with all the tracks lined up one after the other. And voiceover says album, album art for album X or album art for album Y. I'm sure it's a picture of what's on the CD case. And the only way I can delete it is by individual songs. Of course, I can hook up my phone to my computer and use iTunes and manage it that way. But if I want to delete an album from the telephone by itself, I can't do it. You know, I have to do the individual tracks. To be sure, that album art, as VoiceOver calls it, graphic, can be manipulated in some way or other to delete the whole album now. Or if I want to delete them all in a given artist's name, just delete the artist's name. Uh, because if it can't be done except by individual songs, I think this is a step backward for iOS 7. Otherwise, I like iOS 7 very much. So I want to ask, If there is a way to delete them by whole albums or by complete, you know, all of them under a given artist name now, just by manipulating that album art graphic, and that will mean that it just can't be done with voiceover. Thanks a lot for your podcast, and thanks for any opinions.
0: Hi, Arnold. It does appear in iOS 7. That feature is gone. I know in iOS 6, you go to the album list, find the album you want to get rid of, you slide to the left, you'd see the delete button, You can't do that anymore in iOS 7. I played around with it, and I couldn't figure a way to delete an album or an artist. If anyone out there knows how to delete an album or an artist from iOS 7 on your device, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Longtime listener Tash in Australia has been having a bugger of a time with her iPhone 4S since updating to iOS 7. It has slowed down, and the battery life sucks, and she seems to have tried everything. This seems to be a widespread issue also in Australia. Again, for me in the U.S., upgrading to iOS 7 on my iPhone 4, and it seems to be working better and faster, and the battery life is much, much improved. I get a much longer charge out of my iPhone 4 running iOS 7.0.3 than I do for my iPhone 4S running 6.1.2. Anyway, if anyone in Australia was having issues with sluggish performance and horrible battery life after upgrading to iOS 7 and were able to fix the issue, please, please, please let us know, especially let Tesh know by giving us a call 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or sending an email to todayinios at gmail.com into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I am planning on getting an iPad mini with a retina display. I would love to save money and get uh, the, thir- the 16 gig version. I know iCloud saves apps, music, and photos, but do you recommend using cloud apps such as Dropbox for an iOS device? If not, 32 gig will be my choice. Regards, AJ. Hi, AJ. Even with iCloud and Dropbox and Flickr, and other cloud services, which are all great for getting some content off your iOS device to free up storage space, there is another issue, a big issue. Are you an app junkie? If so, go with 32 gig as a min. Apps are getting bigger and bigger in size wise due to the requirements of retina specs for images. So if you have more than 50 apps on your iOS device now, go with 32 gig. If you just use the stock apps, plus have a half dozen or so other apps and don't care about apps, 16 gig when used with iCloud, Dropbox, Flickr, or some other iCloud or the cloud type service should work fine for you.
5: Hi, Rob. This is Michael from Seattle calling. I just listened to episode 285 and was thinking about your 100,000 email plus badge. Um, And one of the new features that I love about iOS 7 is that you can actually turn off the little red badges for each specific app. Um, The ability to do that is under Notification Center, and then you just scroll down to whichever particular app you don't want to uh, have a red badge. Like for me, I turned off immediately the podcast badge because I always have lots of podcasts, and I don't really want to know exactly how many I have every time I look at my home screen. So that's not a fix, but it might at least decrease the annoyance factor for you for a couple days until you figure out how to take care of it. Thanks, Rob. Talk to you later. Bye
0: for this next story. First, I need some paper, which I've got right here. Now I need a couple of paper cuts. Check. And now the lemon juice. Okay. Adding that to the paper cuts. Check. And I'm ready for this next story, which is for those lucky few that have Google fiber. Google just updated their iOS app, so it now works on the iPhone and iPod Touch as well. And they added new DVR features. Per the aforementioned lemon juice in my paper cuts, that relates to the fact that I live in the only city in America where the city council was incompetent enough to say no to Google Fiber. And then when they were ready for Google Fiber, because everyone said, hey, what the are you doing? Google said, no fiber for you. So now I am living in the only city in the Kansas City metro area that will be without Google Fiber. All I can say is everyone on the city council up for election in spring of 2015 will be gone. And I am seriously considering running for city council in Overland Park. Yep, Overland Park made it so hard on Google to get approval that Google picked up their ball and went home. Okay, I'm running, but I'm still really upset about this. Anyway, if you have Google Fiber or are getting ready to get it, good news for you, you can take the Android tablet they supply with each hookup and put it under the kitchen table leg to balance out the table, and then you can download Google Fiber app for your iOS device and control it with a device you don't have to be embarrassed about using. Thanks again to our sponsors Square Trade. Remember, for your iPad warranty, just $89 for a two-year warranty. You save $35 by going to com slash TII2. That's slash TII and the number two. The iPad Air is not really as light as Air. It's still a pound and subject to the laws of gravity, and SquareTrade is there to help you when your iPad becomes part of a Newtonian science experiment. com slash TII2 for your $89 iPad Air Warranty. If you want to know when new episodes go up, look at the TII app. Not just the best way to consume the show, but also a great way to get push messages when a new episode goes live or there's other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you get the most out of the show and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really, really easy to email the show or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for the TII app in iTunes by searching for TII. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on the episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app or product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on your iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our new moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com community and sign up. We got over 100 members already. Let's see if we can get that thing over 1,000. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different.